1: Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock in Hayesville, North Carolina, on the east coast of the United States. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio TGIF. We've got a few minutes to spend with you this morning before uh, uh, I've got... uh, uh, the big weekend fence building this weekend. Uh, my stepson's coming up. Got to hang some cabinets. Gotta, uh, we are getting so close to having this place exactly the way we want it to. Really, the last thing left after this weekend uh, is uh, you can see in the background the office and studio that we've set up here uh, down in North Carolina if you're watching on Facebook. Um, and uh, the only other thing we have to do is uh, put some walls up. Uh, we've got it all set like kind of on the sides and behind us, but we're going to put a wall up in front Uh, to close in the office it's in a kind of in a big area down in uh, our downstairs so uh, that's about going to be about the last thing left and then uh, we can just kind of settle in and I can watch my chickens grow and lay eggs and my bees make honey for me and uh, we're going to be good to go so anyway so welcome to Friday morning Uh, late night last night staying up watching the NCAA basketball tournament and uh, being in North Carolina of course everybody down here excited you know it's funny Duke is one of those teams. Kind of like uh, the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox or the Los Angeles Dodgers. You either love them or you hate them. I don't happen to be a Duke supporter, but that's just me. Uh, if I'm going to root for a team from north, north Carolina, it'll be the University of North Carolina. Um, uh, you know, But uh, being a Connecticut guy, basically, I'm going to still be rooting for my teams up north. But uh, uh, Duke was a team that a lot of people were rooting against last night, even though it's Coach K's uh, last hurrah in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and they got it done. You know, and what was interesting, they beat Texas Tech last night, 78-73. Great finish to the game. What was so interesting about this game was that the players went to the coach in the closing moments of the game and said to him, Coach, we got to get out of this zone. We got to go back to -to man-to-man. You know, that's how we're going to win this game. And guess what happened? They went back to man-to-man. They get three straight stops and uh, a couple of big buckets by Jimmy Roach. And they get by a very, very good Texas Tech team, 78-73. Just a, a great finish. Uh, Paolo Benchero, 22 points to lead the way for Duke. Uh, Mark Williams had 18. And then Roach, who hit those two big buckets down the end, uh, had 15. Duke made its last eight shots. In the, in the game. Eight shots. And it was the 100th career victory for Mike Krzyzewski in the NCAA tournament. Uh, look, whether you love the guy, whether you hate the guy, whatever. I mean, it is a hell of an accomplishment. And uh, it's funny when you watching Krzyzewski this year. When he had announced that it was going to be his last year. This is as relaxed as I have seen him. You know, it really is. And uh, he seems to be enjoying this more, knowing it's his last one. Now he's finally stopping and see, and smelling the roses a little bit. You know, I, it's hard for everybody, especially a coach or a player. You know, I remember, you know, you're listening to Red Sox games for years and Jerry Remy and Dennis Eckersley, who, who did color for years, of course, the late Jerry Remy, who we're going to miss so much on the broadcast. But, you know, one of the things Jerry Remy always said, I wish I had taken the time to enjoy myself more. You know, I was so wrapped up in trying to be better and doing this and doing that and, and just continuing to try to, uh, to stay in the game and to stay healthy. And he said that I never really enjoyed myself. You look back on it later and you go, wow, that was great. You know, I look, I worked in Saudi Arabia for a while, you know, for over a year. And while I was there, I didn't appreciate what I was seeing. I didn't appreciate the fact that not many people get to go to Saudi Arabia and see things like that, and and so uh, you know, and and it's it's only now later in life where I go, wow, that was pretty cool. You know, some of the things I've done in my life, I you look back and you say it's pretty cool. Well, Mike Shishovsky seems to be doing the same thing. He's taken some time to smell the roses, and he actually seemed relaxed even in that game last night. And and you know, I wonder if in past years, if his players had gone to him at a timeout and said, Coach, we got to do this if Krzyzewski would have been as open to doing what he did last night, making the switch from the zone defense back to the man-to-man at at his players' insistence. You really wonder. You know, 10 years ago, would he have told him to pipe down and just do what I tell you to do? But a great finish to the game, and now Duke will play Arkansas for a chance to go to the Final Four. Uh, This Arkansas team, man, I did not see that coming. They beat the snot out of Gonzaga last night. And I don't mean – mean, look, you look at the final score, and it wasn't a beatdown, but they literally beat them up. They were so physical last night against this Gonzaga team, completely took Gonzaga out of its game. Gonzaga likes to get up and down the floor. Um, they weren't getting open looks. Arkansas was slowing them down, and, and they just – could never seem to get it going. And of course, they couldn't figure out how to stop JD uh, Note from hitting shots from the moon. Note was like, you know, he he was like an NBA player last night. NBA players have no conscience when it comes to shooting. They don't care whether they make it or miss it it seems like half the time, and they don't care where they shoot from. Well, JD Note and Jalen Williams were both like I mean, they were just they were just launching it. Note went 9 for 29 last night. But he hit some huge shots. He had six rebounds, six assists, three steals. Um, And Arkansas knocked out the number one overall seed, Gonzaga. And, you know, they defensively, they won this game. Their offense wasn't that great, despite what Note did. You know, I'm not impressed with the Arkansas offense. Matter of fact, it was maddening. It was kind of like watching an NBA game at times because it was like, okay, we're going to bring the ball down the court. We're going to put it in Note's hands. Everybody else, get the hell out of the way. You know, and it was one-on-one isolation and try to launch up a three. You know, so uh, I was not overly impressed with Eric Musselman's offense last night. Not that anybody asked me but I can't stand that kind of offensive battle I can't stand that kind of basketball. This is why I don't like the NBA. There's too much clear out one-on-one play. I like team basketball. I didn't get the sense that off at least offensively. Arkansas played great team defense last night. But offensively, it was brutal. But the key to this game was just how physical they were um, against Gonzaga. And <coughs> I don't like to bitch too much about officiating. Well, I no, I no, I take that back. When I was a basketball coach, when I coached high school and college, I loved to bitch at officiating. Uh, but by and large, I don't, you know, get too wrapped up in it and and say, well, we got screwed because of the referees. And I'm not saying that Gonzaga would have won this game last night, but there were some absolutely horrendous calls late in this game. Uh, two, two especially. On the big kid, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, he got called for two fouls that were, uh, one was borderline at best, and the other was just horse crap. You know, uh, he ends up fouling out of the game uh, with 3.29 left. Um, was having a great second half. He had 11 points, 14 rebounds. He scored 11, all 11 of his points in the second half. The kid was a force. I mean, he was one of the, you know, especially, you know, the thing was is that Arkansas got some big offensive rebounds down the stretch that they might not have gotten. Matter of fact, they likely would not have gotten if Holmgren's still in the game. So I thought the referees uh, played a big factor in this going down, but at the end of the day, if you're Gonzaga, you have got to tip your cap to Arkansas because they just absolutely smothered your offense. Drew Timmy, the great player from, uh, uh, from Gonzaga with the porn star mustache, uh, <laughs> he did all he could. Look, he had 25 points. Uh, he played his ass off. Um, and, you know, that, this was his last hurrah, and he was obviously very emotional when the game was over. Uh, but uh, this was just Arkansas's night. It was an impressive, impressive performance. And, by the way, it's the first time that Arkansas has ever beaten a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. They were 0-5 against number one seeds prior to that. You know, and uh, so it was uh, kind of brutal as far as Gonzaga goes. And, you know, everybody's dumping on Gonzaga. I told you they were overrated. You you know, they only get that because they're in that crappy conference. Put them in the Pac-12 and they're not going to be that good. look, baloney, that is a very good Gonzaga team. They have proven it time and time again. People can say whatever they want. Look, that's what makes the NCAA tournament so great, right? It's, you know, because – look, people can tell you, look, hey, St. Peter's doesn't belong in the NCAA tournament. Well, look, they've won two games. And, hell, they got a chance to win another one tonight against Purdue. By the way, no 15 seed has ever gotten into the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament. So if St. Peter's does somehow knock off Purdue tonight, which would be uh, not as stunning as the win over Kentucky, but damn close – They do something that no 15 seed has ever done before, but that's what makes the NCAA tournament great, and it's a crapshoot. Arkansas was great against Gonzaga last night. If they play them again, the result probably isn't going to be the same. You know, and and again, I'm not saying that the referees' calls down the stretch were the difference in the game, but you know, a different officiating crew in a second game, who knows? So you know, I'm not going to dump on Mark Few and the Gonzaga team and say that uh, they were overrated. That's a good team. I watched them play several times during the regular season. That was a good basketball team. You know, they had a uh, they had a tough night with with Holmgren fouling out. Uh, a couple of their other players didn't have the performances that that they expected them to have. But tip your cap to Arkansas. Re- re- everything else aside they figured out a way to beat a very good team last night. Uh, Villanova beats Michigan last night 63-55, putting an end to the kind of, uh, I don't want to call it a Cinderella run, but a uh, unlikely trip to the Sweet 16 for Michigan, the way that their regular season ended in the whole thing with Juwan Howard. You never expected him to get that far. Uh, and they were a game team last night. I mean, look, Villanova looked a couple of times like they were going to pull away and blow them out, and they got up by nine in the second half. Uh, Michigan comes down and you know makes a couple of three pointers and all of, all of a sudden it's a game again. Uh, you know Ed Brooks made uh, a couple of threes in the second half that you know kept Michigan in the game. So you know give uh, you know give Michigan credit for hanging in there, but that's a good Villanova team. I think Villanova can win the whole thing. Uh, you know I had Gonzaga winning it. I had a Gonzaga Villanova final. Well. Two, two of my, uh, matter of fact, I think three of my final four are gone. Arizona lost yesterday to Houston. Uh, Gonzaga's out now. So, uh, you know, my bracket is uh, blown to crap. So I, I still got Kansas in there. Kansas plays Providence today. So actually I still have two of my final four left. Kansas and Villanova uh, are still alive. But uh, a game Michigan team, but a good win for the Villanova Wildcats last night. And as I mentioned, Houston knocked off Arizona last night. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, beat them fairly handily. I mean, it wasn't a blowout, but they beat them 72-60. to 60. They read it, led it pretty much wire to wire. And uh, Houston now one win away from playing in the second straight Final Four. They are, th- you know, they are 32-5. and five. They were a five seed. They were probably underseated. and uh, look, you know, you got to give you got to give them credit. Uh, They did a good job last night of holding down Benedict Mathurin, the uh, Pac-12 Player of the Year. Uh, Arizona loses for just the fourth time, and their season is over. um, As uh, Houston now advances to the Elite Eight, and uh, they will take on uh, Villanova in. The next game, I, I think Villanova wins that game, but then again, I thought Gonzaga's won it last night too. So you know, again, the NCAA tournament—it's what's great. You just—you just can't beat it. You just can't. Uh, so then I was also switching last night between those games, and I was watching the Boston Bruins last night. Um, the Bruins beat Tampa last night, three to two. David Pasternak had all three goals for the Bruins last night. Uh, he scored uh, his third goal with four ten left in the third period. Uh, to give them the win over Tampa. And that pushes the Bruins past the Lightning in the NHL standings. They are now third in the Atlantic Conference. They're technically second in the Atlantic Conference, tied with Toronto. And the Bruins um, are just on fire. They are 8-1-1 in their last ten games. Since New Year's Day, this Bruins team is 25-9-3. You look at what they have done and what the Boston Celtics have done since the first of the year, it is absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. Uh, Jeremy Swayman makes 22 saves for the Bruins last night, picks up the uh, the win. Uh, Hampus Lindholm made his debut for the Bruins last night. Of course, he came over from Anaheim in the trade uh, he had an assist in his debut, and the well, the funniest thing was uh, after the game, uh, he goes into the media room and kind of does a double take and goes, "Ooh, this isn't Anaheim. There's a lot of people in here." You know, uh, you know when you when you go uh, work a Bruins game, you know when you go into the post game press conference, it's not like there's two people asking you questions. There's probably twenty or thirty. Uh, he wasn't quite used to that, so he did a bit of a double take, which is funny. Uh, the Bruins now will be off until Saturday when they will take on the New York Islanders, another team that they should beat. Uh, You know, it's interesting. The Bruins are doing all this. The Bruins are playing better on the road than they are at home. Um, But they're going to need to take care of business at home on uh, Saturday against the Islanders, get themselves ahead of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think they're going to catch Florida. They're seven points behind. It's not out of the realm of possibility. They are running out of time. Um, But uh, the way they are playing right now, I'll tell you what, do not count. The Boston Bruins out. They are unbelievably hot. Uh, A couple other quick notes. Uh, Andrew Miller, the uh, longtime relief pitcher in Major League Baseball, retired yesterday, uh, pitched with the St. Louis Cardinals for the last three years. Um, He has decided at the age of 36 uh, to call it a career. You know, he can really kind of credit the Boston Red Sox for extending his career. He – Became a reliever with the Boston Red Sox. He came up as a starter, and uh, the Red Sox put him into the bullpen, and that is where he thrived. You know, later going over to the Cleveland Indians where he uh, was dominant for a while uh, and uh, ends up pitching uh, in uh, 11 different postseason matchups and struck out 54 guys in 38 innings in the postseason he uh, had an 0.93 ERA in postseason play. So, I mean, this is a guy that just uh, uh, found it late in his career by moving to the bullpen, and uh, he retires at the age of 36. The other notable thing is he's retiring after just being – he's a union rep, and he spent a lot of time on this last collective bargaining agreement, probably knowing he was going to retire, but he still put in the time uh, to make sure that the game and the players coming after him uh, were in better shape. So uh, – Uh, congratulations on a a hell of a career, Andrew Miller, and uh, good luck in the retirement. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano of the Sunday Card is going to join us to talk about all the craziness that has been going on in the NFL. Back in a minute, you're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call, and it is a Friday. Now, we don't normally have Dan Zampano on Fridays in March, but we are going to get Dan Zampano on a Friday in March because Dan – Things have been insane around the NFL lately, and the latest insanity. And maybe you don't think it's insanity, but to me, the Kansas City Chiefs trading Tyreek Hill to Miami. I'm not sure who's crazier that the Chiefs traded him or that the Dolphins give up their first and second round picks this year plus three other picks to get him. Who's more nuts?
0: Uh, well, Gene, you know it's a good thing that college basketball trademarked March Madness because the NFL would be all over. <laughs> I mean, this is insane what's been going on. Uh, first off, this this um, doesn't seem like it happened like over a long period of time. It seems as if this really just kind of broke down within a matter of you know days, even hours, with the negotiations for a contract extension for the Chiefs. And then, you know, it sounds like maybe Tyree kill said, you know what? I'm going to peace out and I'm going to see what I can get on the open market. If, if you trade me and it's just not working out. So uh, I, I'm stunned a little bit by it. No question. It was kind of out of left field to me. Here's my here's my read of it. I would say this, the chiefs were strapped for cash. There's no questions. They just paid a, a couple of people. They had Chris Jones under contract Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is under contract, Um, and then Travis Kelsey. So they've been spending a lot of money on a lot of big-time players. Now, they also just let Tyron Matthew walk more than likely because Justin Reed was just signed. So all this money going towards them, who do you have to sacrifice? You can't pay everybody multi-gazillion dollar contracts, including Tyreek Hill, And, you know, you, people may not want to hear it. People may not like the guy, but Tyree Kill is the best weapon in football. He is the scariest weapon. And, of course, Miami has a ton of cash ready to roll. Um, but the deal with Miami, obviously, having them being that they are first-year head coach with a lot of money involved. And a lot of money to spend already with a lot of speed with Jalen Waddle, So, to me, the Chiefs, I think, probably come out. It looks like the Dolphins are like this amazing team. Right. But if you go back and look at the contract, it's a $30 million a year contract. Yeah. I mean, well, that... For a, for a, a wide receiver.
1: Yeah, well, and I mean, well, that's Devont, one guy well,
0: who's not your quarterback, right? Well, and
1: Devonte Adams just got what a, an average of like twenty-eight million a year or something, and so this breaks the record right. for you know, and and I mean, it's crazy all of a sudden that wide receivers are getting paid, but you know, when you look at like. A guy like, for instance, what Cooper Cup did this year. If it weren't for him, mm-hmm. the Rams don't get as far as they get. I mean, Cooper Cup was the reason they got there. May it, it, it could be that he was part of the reason that people are suddenly looking at wide receivers, going, "Jeez, maybe, maybe these guys are a little bit undervalued." Maybe that's. I mean, they're
0: getting quarterback money, and, and you're looking at the quarterback money. This is that's a low level. I mean, that's making more than Tom Brady's making, right? You know, right. I mean, I, you're, you're looking at that and you're saying, whoa, how did the wide receivers all of a sudden become, you know, these monster quarter, these monster contracts? Well, I mean, you start with Amari Cooper a couple of years ago, right. making 20 million a year. And we thought that was huge. Devontae Adams just took that out of the stratosphere. And now Tyree kill has done what he's done. So you look at this though, that from the dolphins perspective, you have a quarterback that you do not know if he can step up and be a franchise quarterback. We're still, it's an unknown right now. He's going to be paired with an offensive coordinator that is supposed to be this Yale nerd wizard (laughs) that's going to run, you know, the, 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 the the zone scheme that Kyle Shanahan ran, more than likely. Right. And now you add, not just Jalen Waddle last year, but now you add Tyree kill. So it's a very scary fast receiving core, but here's the problem. You basically have two years to, to to go out and win a Super Bowl. That's pretty much what you're saying. Yeah, you're saying that we have two years to get to us to where we need him to be, and then it's go time. It's pay. It's it's pay up. Right. You know. So at that point, your window is not really four years with Tyree Kill. You know, I mean, if you want Tyree Kill and you want to keep Tyree Kill, go for it. But if Tua is the guy, you know. Now you've got one guy making $30 million a year. After that, are you really going to pay Tua $45, $50 million if he's a guy?
1: I'd be shocked. You know? Shocked.
0: I mean, I mean, exactly. Well, right now you'd be shocked. But you imagine, hey, if Tua does work out, he's going to get the money that Herbert is going to get. He's going to get the money that Burrow is going to yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. You know? So you really have to weigh those things and weigh those options. Or is he you know, another Ryan Tannehill for you where he's gonna be a middle of the pack contract that you like him but you don't love him and you're you're gonna try and undersell it. And you know, it, it's an interesting prospect for the Dolphins. They're in a tricky situation because now they're all in. They're all in for a guy that's not a quarterback. You look at all these teams that have gone all in this off season. The Raiders, the Broncos, you look at um Buffalo. Right. What do they all have? They all have the Chargers. They all have quarterbacks right. ready to go.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. But I, you know, I, I just uh, that was one of I, I almost fell out of my chair when I when I saw this come across the wire yesterday. And and, and I think you know and look, Tyreek Hill. What's what's he been in the league? Six years. I mean, this guy's average. He's yeah. got already got fifty six touchdown receptions in six years. You know, and over almost seven thousand yards receiving. I mean, it's not like you know. Uh, I mean, you know what you're going to get. The question is, and I think you're right, and I think the question I have for you as far as Tua goes, are the expectations for him unrealistic? I mean, are people expecting him? I mean, we're in a a time now where people are expecting guys that get drafted, even quarterbacks, to – to star right away, to get good right away. I mean, look at Joe Burrow. Look how I mean, look how quickly he got the Cincinnati Bengals to where they were this year. You know, are we expecting too much out of Tua? I mean, it used to be where a, a quarterback got drafted. You sat on the bench for three or four years to learn. Now everybody's getting thrown to the wolves. Is that fair?
0: Uh, it's fair when you had the hype that he had and the, the numbers that he had at Alabama and the fact that, he was a better quarterback in college than Justin Herbert was. Yeah, okay. That's All right, that's fair. You know, Yeah. yeah. I mean, in college, right. Justin Herbert developed and then became what he became, you know, had less weapons in Tua, too. So it begs the question, you know, was Tua benefited by being in Alabama? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see Tyree Kill running down the field and Tua throwing <laughs> deep balls. Tua used to have a really good he deep did. ball. He did. He used to yeah. have a really good deep ball in college. Yeah. I don't know what happened to that. I think it's the hip. Um, I think it's know, his hip.
1: I think it's his hip. I don't think. think yeah, not, maybe it is the hip. The, yeah, torque, I, the torque on the ball may yep. not be as much. You I think so. Right. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, the other thing I think that hurts Tua, remember, wasn't it like his first game and he came out after this first game and you know, I thought it would be harder than this. You know, he had, like, a really good first game. He said, geez, I really thought this was going to be harder. <laughs> and so he kind of screwed himself because it's been uh, it's been all downhill since then. But, uh, well, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. All right, now let's move to another quarterback. Uh, well, I'm not sure which quarterback we should talk about first. That the fact that Deshaun Watson has a new home in Cleveland when it didn't look like he was going to Cleveland or what's going to happen with Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield said he wants out. It doesn't look like anybody wants him right
0: now. I think that move for Cleveland is the most impactful around the NFL, and for multiple reasons. Okay, one, it puts the Browns in the position to now actually be a Super Bowl contender, no questions asked, because now you just added a top five quarterback in the league, who is, um, you know, going to probably be running the same offense that Baker was running except now you don't have to roll this guy out so that he can see over the line. Right. You know, you don't right. have, you don't have a little people elf running your offense anymore. <laughs> so, you know, which is great. So, I mean, and Watson also brings a dynamic over the run. I mean, he's just so, so talented and look, yes. Is he dealing with the criminal or the civil charges? Yes. They're going to probably have, uh, there's probably going to be a suspension Maybe I would suspect that it's probably a 50-50 shot that he does get suspended. Yep, but I think it's I think something it's, they're going to have to deal with.
1: I think it's higher than that. Um, I, I I think it's high, I think there's a very good chance he's getting suspended. It's just going to be a question for how many games. It might be if it's too many games, Cleveland's screwed for this year, and then they have to start pointing their their, their signs maybe to next year. But uh, but I think he is going to get suspended. I'll be shocked if he doesn't.
0: And you know that if that number is not satisfactory to the people that will make the most noise about it, uh, the NFL will probably be pressured again to suspend them even longer. Right, right. So, you know, that's there's, there's a tricky situation for the league. Right. However, the reason why it's so impactful, this is a fully guaranteed contract, $230 million guaranteed. Fully it's, guaranteed. It's, it's all guaranteed. Have you ever oh, heard I, of I that in no. your
1: life? I didn't realize it was all guaranteed. Oh, that's insane. It's fully
0: guaranteed. That's, that doesn't happen in the is NFL. It's an NBA contract. Right. This has never happened before. Yeah. This has never happened before. The NFL has taken advantage of, of the contract laws that, uh, you know that have been bestowed upon them, by the U.S. government, and now, this opens Pandora's box. Right to now, agents basically walking into to GM's offices and say we want fully guaranteed contracts and you know what they used to be laughed at by that right. now yep. if you have a good enough talent yeah. you may you may get your win. yeah because, and I'll tell yeah. you something else the owners are not too happy I'm sure with the Haslams about that I guarantee you that I mean this is going to this is going to break the bank. Deshaun Watson has broken the bank. Imagine the guy that had 22 criminal charges, 22 civil charges against him. The criminal charges get dropped. He gets a fully guaranteed $230 million contract yeah. and, all, and, and and basically breaks open free agency for the rest of the league. That's pretty impressive uh, in terms of a story. <laughs> I was going to say, it's I don't know. Impressive story. I, I don't know if impressive is the right word.
1: Uh but uh, yeah
0: it's not it's, i i think i think maybe impressionable yeah well yes i think that's that's, that's yeah. maybe the right word for it because yeah. it, it is a history changer for how the league works you know it, well, yeah, it's yeah. a history changer for how the league works well
1: you look at this i mean let's let's say uh yeah. Justin Herbert runs out his contract with the Chargers and he's continuing to progress right. and he's great that means his next contract his agent the first thing he's asking for is guaranteed money yep
0: Yikes. No question. Yikes. So how much do you think? So now you're looking at him. You're looking at Aaron Rodgers' $60 million a year contract. You know, I mean, you're talking about fully guaranteed contracts that are going to possibly be paying guys. You remember years ago? I'm telling you, in the next five to ten years, you remember years ago when Michael Vick and Peyton Manning that were the first $100 million contract guys, but they were over a long period of time. Right. I guarantee you. There will be contracts in the next five or ten years that'll reach triple digits per year.
1: Really, per year?
0: Triple per year? Nine figures? Come on! Per year? I'm not kidding. The way the NFL revenue is coming through, five to ten years, you give it, you're going to see nine figure contracts. Well,
1: can you imagine, But it's what, going to be crazy. But what is that going to do? I mean, to the league salary cap? The league salary cap is going to be have to be going to have to take. A, a quantum leaps ahead if if, yeah. if, we're, if we're talking that kind um, of money don't,
0: don't worry don't worry the way that the way that the league has as has got revenue now that fully guaranteed contracts are on the table you're going to see the league having the owners having to pay up wow because they're making just so money wow wow
1: well, that, that makes, that's
0: a mind boggling number, yeah. isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, it makes, it makes, you know, that makes like the Mike Trout money, the $40 million a year he's making to play baseball. That's chump change. Yep. Wow. That's amazing. You're not wrong. All right. So, all right. So he, let's, let's assume he doesn't get suspended. Let's, uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's a long shot. I mean, is is does this automatically make the browns i mean are we talking about a browns team now you're thinking is going to win you know 12 13 games
0: uh do you see another team no.
1: in their division <laughs> no no you know as soon as i said it i went the talent yeah, that they have yeah as soon as as soon yeah, as yeah, i said it you I knew, don't see yeah. it. i mean yeah,
0: we could we could say we could say the Bengals maybe after what they did, but right? Do you I, to me when I looked at that Super Bowl, I said, you know, this is a great story for everybody, but are either of these teams making it? mixture? sure nah, the Bengals caught lightning you know, in a like, bottle. Uh,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Like I, I just don't see it now. The Bengals have done a great job with their offensive line and addressing those issues in the, in the off season, but you know, you lose a guy like C.J. Uzama, you know, you lose a guy like Trey Wayne's. Um, you do have to replace some of these guys eventually. So, you know, now with Cleveland, Cleveland, upping themselves, Baltimore was the most injured team, the infirmary of the league last year. Right. So they're going to get all those guys back. Plus they signed Marcus Williams in free agency for their safety position. Right. They're going to be better. I mean, so Baltimore, I think has probably the best chance of challenging Cleveland. I think those two teams are right. You know, depending on how they, how Lamar Jackson does this year, uh, I think those two teams are right at it, but Deshaun Watson just raises the level, man. He just raises the level of of what they can do and what they can be. Remember, this team was this team had the Kansas City Chiefs on the ropes yeah. two years ago in the divisional round. I mean, they were a game away, they were a few minutes away yeah. from from the AFC Championship game with Baker freaking Mayfield. Right. So you know, to to me, I just think that this really puts them. In a fantastic spot. We'll see what they do. Rest of free agency and the rest of the draft, but they are loaded. Amari Cooper, Nick Chubb, a great O line, yep. Garrett. You know they they just have some dudes now, and Denzel Ward and all these guys. So it's going to be interesting to see. And of course, the AFC West is going to be a, oh. a gauntlet as well. So uh, you, you know, I, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun going to the AFC once again this year.
1: I was going to say the AFC is so heavily. Uh I mean over the, the AFC is so much better than the NFC right now it's not even funny. It's not even close. Not even funny. Yeah, it's not close. Not even funny. It's okay. ridiculous. All right, so what happens to Baker Mayfield?
0: That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I've been trying to rack my I've been trying to rack my brain about it. I'm like, who in their right mind is gonna want this guy? Well the Panthers you know? make the I mean, the
1: Panthers make the most
0: sense. They do. They do, but is there a guy in mind they have for the draft? You know, I mean, there's there's that possibility.
1: Well, supposedly the
0: do make the most sense. Yeah,
1: supposedly they're high on uh, Kenny Pickett from
0: Pittsburgh. Right, and you've already seen them say that they're not interested in Baker Mayfield. Right. So you know, Seattle maybe with that trade now, but you know, I mean, how much do you, do you do you run the risk of just Okay. The problem with Baker, and this is the whole problem, is that now you've got to, you're gonna to have to take a contract that you can either put the fifth year option on the contract, right. or you know, and that's a one year kind of deal where he's now gonna get paid top five cash. Right. Or, you know, you're gonna to have to give him a contract extension and he's gonna want forty million dollars.
1: And he's fragile. You
0: know, I mean yeah. right. Like he's just in a horrific spot. To the point where the—I mean—the Browns may get a bag of balls for this guy. Really, they—they they might get they might get a six-seven, six-round pick, fifth-round pick for him. I mean, it's that. It's—I mean, talk about a misfire. Well, he is. Yeah, I, I just don't see a place where he starts well, next year.
1: Let me let me throw out another name to you, and I know that they. I mean, and we're going to get to this in a minute, but what about the Atlanta Falcons? I mean, I know that, you know, they traded Ryan. I know they brought in Marcus Mariota, but good Lord, we, you know, Marcus Mariota is not setting the world on fire. And, you know, he's a marginal starter at best. What about bringing in a guy like Baker Mayfield and having a, you know, a for real competition if you're the Atlanta Falcons to find out who your quarterback can be next year?
0: Well, I mean, you, it's basically the same thing as Bayfield, except now you have him under contract at a controllable rate. Controllable rate, that's true. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it, I mean, yeah, uh, Mariota's the same guy. He yeah. was the number two overall pick, yeah. and he just didn't work out in Tennessee. He just, just didn't go. And you saw him play in, in Vegas, and he showed a lot of promise actually yeah. in Vegas. Yeah, okay. So for a little bit there. So you know, to me, that's a much better, much better option. Well, at yeah. this point, financially, well, financially and yeah. from a skill point.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: And from a skill point, there's. <laughs> I mean, what, Baker Mayfield had a you know one solid rookie season. Yeah. And, you know, outside of that, he's been up and down. So so, so does Baker you know, Mayfield... Uh, does, to does, me, this makes a lot more sense.
1: So does Baker Mayfield end up a $19 million backup
0: quarterback? I can't see him reporting to Cleveland. I just, I don't see that. You know, I mean, it, it, it's going to be hard. He's just such a, he's such an alpha in his mind. Right. Or at least he thinks he is. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know. Right. And... And, and that he's just going to be so stubborn. And, you know, the, the worst part about it is that we're, we're going to really miss those progressive commercials, aren't we? I mean, oh, those are going to be, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm just so, I'm so crushed. sad that I'm not going to be able to buy car insurance through Baker Mayfield <laughs> and his lovely wife anymore. Uh, more quarterback news.
1: Jameis Winston going back to the Saints. The Saints thought they had Deshaun Watson locked up. And mm-hmm. so they have now gone back to Jameis Winston. Now, on the face of it, obviously you'd rather have Deshaun Watson, but if you if you get the Jameis Winston that was playing for you before he got hurt last year, this isn't a bad move for the Saints.
0: Not at all. Not at all. The worst part about it is that the Saints are missing Sean Payton. Right. Yes. So yeah, there is no. Yeah. It, you bring back. I mean, basically, what the Saints have done is. They've kept all the pieces in place now that Sean has, Sean has left. Right. You know, Deshaun Watson, they would have been willing to pay that. But in the long run, really, I mean, the Saints really can't afford to pay anybody. Now, look at, I mean, they lose to Ron Armstead, their left tackle, who, by the way, goes to Miami. Right. So that's, you know, I mean, another big piece for the Dolphins. But, you know, for them, I think they just need stability, that team, yep. to be able to go to the next people, the next guys. You know, yep. you still got Kamara. Michael Thomas should be back. Right. Um, there, there's there's guys on the defense that are still thriving. The defense is still going to have their defensive coordinator be their head coach. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to. I think the Saints are going to run through their defense next year and just kind of piece it together offensively with with some young guys. So, that's going to be. Um, I think that's the best case scenario. Maybe the Saints are the team that looks for a quarterback uh, early on, you know, in the, in the draft, you know, I mean, I was, um, I, I happened to be at Malik Willis's pro day yep. the other day. Yep. Uh, and he, you know, I think that's a guy that would be quite interesting down there. I think, uh, and he's, you know, he's got arm talent. He he's definitely needs, you know, probably to, to develop a little more, but he is like a linebacker or a running back. Lined up at quarterback when he runs, except he cannot let these things fly. I mean, he is right. incredible with the ball in his hand. So, you know, to me, that might be a fit. It might be a fit in Atlanta. Uh, if they want to go that route, too, he's an Atlanta native. Uh, so, I mean, the Saints seem like they are con- perfectly content with just playing exactly how they played last year and competing, you know, for a playoff spot.
1: So I referenced the Atlanta Falcons a little bit ago, and they have a new quarterback in Matt Ryan. Now you know Ryan's thirty six years old, and and on the face of it, I want to like, yeah, okay, well, he's you know he's way too old. But then I look at Tom Brady, and I say, well, <laughs> he's a kid. Um, this this makes Indy a better team. Does it? Does it not?
0: I think so. I yeah, think so. I do. the more you think about it, the more you say, you know i've I've kind of been off the Matt Ryan train for a little while. I mean, I think he's clearly lost a little bit on his ball uh, in the last five years. but I think that if he is going to be a uh, you know basically not a game manager per se, but you know, he doesn't have to make every throw. I think that team running through Jonathan Taylor, it, it's benefited so much by. By Mountaineer, because you know what he's not going to do. He's not going to try to make a freaking left-handed pass out of the end zone. Right. He's (laughs) not going to try. He's not going to try. You know, and take off and run and not understand how to slide. Right. You know. I mean, he's going to make the smart decision for that team, and I think as a leader too. I mean, if he can just do what Philip Rivers did.
1: Right. That's what what Philip Rivers did. That's exactly where I was going. I think. Yeah. I think if he if he can mimic what Philip Rivers did you know, this is a team that's going to be dangerous.
0: Seriously. I mean, this is a team that was a game away in Jacksonville, a, a literal just extreme, you know, meltdown away from being a playoff team. Right. You know, those last two games, you think Matt Ryan makes the mistakes that he makes against Vegas at home and against and against Jacksonville on the road those last two games do you think he makes those mistakes that Carson Wentz made the last two games no not a I chance don't so. no I don't think so either. especially after beating the Patriots right I mean that team was so lined up for a playoff spot once they beat the Patriots and they all they had to do was win one of the last two games right and they couldn't do it right so you know Matt Ryan is going to give a stable steady hand to the organization as they look for a new quarterback
1: um, another signing, we were talking about how good the AFC is, especially the AFC West. And this is kind of an under-the-radar signing, but I like this. We, one, last time you and I talked, we were talking about, you know, how the Chargers had picked up Khalil Mack. And, you know, we were looking at him and Bosa. And, but you were like, yeah, but the problem is they couldn't stop anybody on the run. Well, they made, a, a, I thought, a, a very, very good signing this week uh, when they got Austin Johnson. From the uh, New York Giants, this is a kid that what seventy-two tackles last year, three and a half sacks. Very good against the run. That may be just what the doctor ordered for this Charger defense.
0: Yeah, Austin Johnson had a very good year last year on the Giants' defense. That strength was more their their defensive front, and I think that I think that that's going to add in. I think they also signed uh, what was the guy's name, Sebastian Joseph Day from, yep. from the Rams. Yep, who's also another really nice piece in the D line. I'm telling you, I, you know, now that Hill is gone from the Chiefs, we get to see how good Mahomes is By but without him. But the Chargers, to me, I mean, their defense looks really, really scary. Yeah. Not just with Mack. Now they had Joseph Day and Johnson, J.C. Jackson on the back end. Right. I mean, they're... They're really, really looking good. Well, so especially what they were be,
1: They were what twenty third, I think, on overall defense last year. I mean, so they weren't a, yeah, a very good defense team. Yeah, all because of their run defense. Right.
0: All because of their run defense. They're just small linebacker, and, and didn't have the interior lineman. So, you know, now they've addressed a lot of those issues. I, I think the Chargers, to me, I, I keep coming back to that AFC West, and I see that I look at all those teams. Denver definitely, too, and, and we'll see how good Kansas City is now. But, you know, the Chargers, to me, seem like the best team in that division on paper. Yeah, they do. Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree. Uh, it's By the way, it was nice to see that the uh, the Buccaneers assistant GM, Tom Brady, uh, did his job this week. Leonard Fournette coming back to the Buccaneers.
0: Yeah, you know, he's been crunching the numbers, and uh, <laughs> I think he was dead. You know, I think we can make this work. I yeah. think we can make this work, guys. You know, and once he came back, you saw. You know what was interesting about that whole thing is that he, like Leonard Fournette, had just been in New England, right? So that was kind of interesting how he was quickly pulled back. Uh, and you know, <laughs> I, I don't think the Patriots really should have spent money that they did. They paid the guy what seven million a year. Yeah. to come back. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the Patriots should have should have. Made that deal, obviously, you right. know, because they're pretty loaded at running back. So <laughs> you know, him, him sarcasm, him, uh, him, him going at, uh, him going at Fournette. them getting Russell Gage. I thought was a really good move. Yep. yep. Now they get Russell Gage, and they and they uh, they get another veteran receiver. Remember, remember when all those guys went down, yeah. Evans and Godwin oh, and, God. had, and Brown, and they were went throwing- down, and he was thrown to. He was throwing to Walmart's uh, supervisor yeah, they were begging. There, they know. were begging you to suit up. I would have suited up. I would have heard the call. Yeah, I almost did when I was down there in Tampa. <laughs> I said, you know, if you need somebody, uh, I can beat Jalen Ramsey on the outside. I promise.
1: Do they bring – is Gronk going to come back?
0: I think so. I, I think it's inevitable at this point. Why wouldn't he? You know, even for the – he's got enough money, you know, where he's, he's pretty loaded. So I think he'll – he'll probably come back, finish out a contract, and, you know, whenever Tom is ready to go off to San Francisco or retire, <laughs> uh, I, think that, uh, I think that'll, that'll call it uh, quits. All
1: right. Uh, let's finish this up with uh, your favorite subject. That's the New England Patriots. And uh, the yeah. they uh, announced a two-year deal with uh, Malcolm Butler, who is essentially coming out of retirement. Uh, you know, it's got all kinds of incentives in it. Uh, Look, he's not replacing J.C. Jackson. Let's—I mean, let's let's start with that. Um, Amen to that. But but having said that, I mean, Patriot fans have been losing their minds. You know, on social media, it's just so much fun to watch. Just losing their minds about how quiet the Patriots have been. What are we doing? We're letting everybody go. We're not signing anybody. You. You did the perfect thing last night, and actually it kind of helped me a little bit. Uh, there was a great uh, clip you put on uh, Twitter yesterday with uh, Scott Pioli, basically saying, "Hey, everybody, relax." You know, uh, the Patriots did a lot of this free agent work last year. You know, and some of the guys that they still have, these are guys that they brought in last year, and we got them. You know, for uh, a decent amount of money, and everything's going to be fine. You just need to, to to relax a little bit, get off the get off the ledge.
0: Yeah, you know, it it kind of brought it back into perspective for me as well. And saying, you know, I saw Malcolm Butler, I said, you know, why are we just retreading these guys? This guy doesn't run anymore. Like, you know, I mean, it's it's you know, Malcolm Butler was a great player. He should never he should never pay for a meal in Boston ever again. Right. But you know, at this point in his career, I mean, can he still emulate that that uh, that competitive juice that he had? You know, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he can. Eric Weddle Um, did. Eric Weddle did kind uh, of off the couch, you know. I mean, I think I think he was a little motivated by the fact that he was in the playoffs, ready to go. Could be, but yeah. uh, you know, maybe Malcolm. It, and and here's the other story about that too is I guess we're water under the bridge, you know, after right. the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not, uh, and Patricia is back, so you know, it's not like Patricia's not on the coaching staff. So it's it's kind of interesting that. That he decided to come back and on this deal, but basically, I think this. Look, the Patriots made a couple of small moves: the trade for Mac Wilson, trading Chase Winovich, the signing of Terrence Mitchell from the Texans, who's a decent, uh, pretty decent, you know, starting corner in the league. Right. Uh, you know, you're right. I think that they made two years worth of deals last year. Right. Uh, did they overpay for a couple of guys? I think they probably overpaid for a guy like Nelson Aguilar. But yeah. you know, in, as Nelson Aguilar going to thrive in the second year of his contract? That's my question, um, and maybe understand the offense better. The biggest thing that the Patriots need out of this year, um, and still need to address. Yes, they did sign Trent Brown back. They need to get somebody to play inside uh, guard or left tackle. Right? Like they, they just they need somebody there. It's it's really depleted. Losing Shaq Mason. Uh, Is it, a big blow. Big blow. They also really need linebacker help. Uh, unless these guys who they drafted over the years are going to develop and actually play football this year, because you know Hightower and Collins are not on are not on the roster yet. Right. They haven't been resigned. Uh Then you're. It's all you know. Projection. 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 There's. We haven't seen anything from anybody. And you know that's why I think I'd, I'd like to see them spend a first round pick on a linebacker that's versatile this year. I would love to see that. Uh and then, you know, obviously the slot receiver. You know, I mean yes, you have Kendrick Bourne, who's I love, and you have Jacoby Myers who's a good, solid player. Right. But he is not the speed that you're looking for. They just need speed. Yeah. Speed is what we need, folks. That's so, the Chiefs uh, and ask the, the Dolphins. That, yeah. Right. Exactly. So other than that, you know, I I do still think that this team will be competitive. It's always hard to see how the Patriots are going to be good. And then by the end of the season, they end up extremely competitive, you know? And, and I think they're probably on paper, you look at them and you say, man, this seems like the 11th or 12th best team in the conference, but you always know that by the end of the year, they start figuring things out and playing as a team. So confidence, not extremely, you know, like high in the terms of a Super Bowl contender, but definitely high in, in that they can definitely make the playoffs and compete for a division.
1: Is there an offensive lineman that would be available in the first round of the draft that you think could be a difference maker?
0: Here's my guy. I, that's a great question. Uh, if you like D one double A guys like the Patriots do, this is for you. Uh, Northern Iowa's Tyler Penning, go look at this guy. Really? I mean, he is a building. He is a <laughs> building that is mean. He is mean. Go look at the Senior Bowl tape. I'm gonna take. Go to, to the that Senior out. Bowl yeah. tape and watch him just throwing guys around. I mean, just throwing guys around. Look at this kid. He is a monster. He could play left tackle and he could kick wind inside if he wanted to. I would love to see. Tyler Penning come off the board for the Patriots at offensive lineman I think if that is a guy that comes off and I think he'll be available possibly at that spot yeah that I I love that pick
1: really okay well I'm gonna have to go check that yes. out because I've never heard of him I don't watch a lot I don't watch a lot you're, of one-
0: about, you're about to. I don't watch you, a- you know the mountain from Game of Thrones That's yeah basically yeah. Him. he's he's that big huh yeah, he's a monster. Okay. All right.
1: Well, well Dan, I appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. Uh look, it's 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 you know, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like we've had more off-season NFL news this year prior to the draft than we usually have. This free agent signing period, there's been more trades, I think sometimes than there right. have been free agents. it's been it seems to be more
0: insane than usual. The trades have been off the charts. Yeah. It literally has been with whirlwind. The tra- I mean, you've got Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, you've got monsters. Yeah, huge names. Monster. You've got yeah. basically the two best receivers, two best receivers in football and two of the top five receivers the quarterbacks in football got traded. Uh, you know, and then, you know, Matt Ryan, you can add him in there. I mean, there's just so many names. So and and to top it off, you know, Amari Cooper's another one. Uh, Tom Brady, unretiring, also threw right. a big risk and everything. About so, <laughs> you know, that that was huge. Aaron Rodgers' news was huge. I mean, this, there have just been some monster names that have gotten moved and, or, or come back. So it's going to be so much fun watching the season again this year. And, you know, I, I think uh, – and that, I just reminded myself of that, and we'll talk about this probably, you know, later down the line, but how good are the Packers going to be? Right. You know? Right. How good are, the, are, are they going to be able to do what they've done without Adams, without Z'Darrius Smith?
1: Yeah, I was going to say Z'Darrius I'm Smith. i yeah. Z- Smith signed with the Vikings, right?
0: Yeah, yes, he did. That's a direct blow. Oof. So, I mean, I'm I'm very interested to see how the Packers handle Aaron Rodgers and handle their quarterback situation this year. But, it, it, it's again, you know, this is the league. This league owns this country. This league owns this country. And people <laughs> want to say it's on a downturn, football's on a downturn you're wrong you're wrong it's still it's still going and and we love to see it
1: well you know what it's funny too they people want to say baseball's dying right baseball's on a downturn but isn't it funny how as soon as the Yankees and Mets get ready to play and we realize that Aaron Judge might not be able to play home games for the Yankees that suddenly that that uh, vaccination mandate went away in New York City that kind of funny how that happened bye yeah (laughs) Uh,
0: you you know when when Kyrie Irving is sitting on the sidelines, you know, and, and and I think he kind of pulled that pulled that whole thing uh, pulled that whole thing to the forefront of everyone's mind, and it's certainly uh, with everyone else letting it go, you right. know, right? It's uh, I think a lot of people are now looking at it and saying that makes no sense, so. Right. Right. Uh sports, hey, sports, hey, the almighty dollar. Yes. This is America. That's what you it know? is.
1: All right, my friend. Well, listen, go get your uh, draft board ready, and uh, we will look forward it's to it. We will talk to you prior to the draft. And in the meantime, I'm going to go do some uh, film work of my own and go check out Tyler Penning because i got to find out who this guy
0: is. Excellent. So, all right, Dan. He, we'll, might, he might be shooting up your draft board this year. Well, I'll that, tell you you what.
1: know what? If, if, if he's as good as you say he is, I might uh, I might have to send a couple of emails to the uh, Patriots front office. All right, Dan, thank you very much. We will plan on talking to you in a few weeks, my friend.
0: Gene, you are, as always, the best there ever was. Thanks so much.
1: Dan Zampano here on Sports Country.